Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. Exodus 20, 1 through 21. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or what is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is, in, that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, you can be seated. Appreciate that, Gabe. How's everybody doing? Good. Glad to be back in the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, I am so excited to preach um, that I could barely sleep last night. So um, I will try to contain myself. I um, I chose this passage um, this morning. I just praying about it, and you know, I felt like, um, I felt like after a couple of weeks off, if you're like me, you're coming back together so hungry, like you just want to feast on the Word, you know, and, and, and to see God, take a look, a good look at who He is, and, and see Him and be refreshed, and so that's what we're going to do today. Um, we're going to look at 
these Ten Commandments, and we're going to, I'm not going to exposit the Ten Commandments. I don't, there's no way I could really break down all Ten Commandments in a single sermon. That's not what I'm going to attempt to do this morning. But instead, what we're going to do is, is we're going to do a flyover of the Ten Commandments as, uh, as a way of seeing, like, what do we see about God when we look at these Ten Commandments? And I'm just going to pick some things. There's a one or two things per commandment that I'm going to pull out that, that jump out at me that are certainly not exhaustive. Um, I, I would hope that maybe this whets your appetite and you go home and you really do a deep dive in the Ten Commandments yourself and study this for yourself. Go deep um, in these Ten Commandments. And, and there's so much there to learn. Um, but today... We are going to just do a flyover, and I'm going to pull some stuff out of here uh, for us to, to chew on this morning. And I think, um, so, so in other words, this morning is going to be broad, right? It's, it's going to be a little bit more broad. It's going to cover a lot about the character and nature and ways of God so that when you walk away, you will have in your mind's eye a more correct picture of who He is. And, and if you do, if you walk away with a more correct picture of who God is, you'll, your soul will be satisfied in Him. So that's really my hope. That's really my thinking behind this message this morning. Um, we tend to see the Ten Commandments as this like uh, rules, list of rules, do's and don'ts. But in the context of the story, there's so much more than that. Um, the, the story is that God has just rescued Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He has, he has done mighty works, powerful things to rescue them. He's brought them out, and he has delivered them from their enemies. He has fed them with manna. He has brought water out of a rock. I mean, he's, he's leading them by a pillar of cloud by day and fire by night. And, and, in, and in Exodus 19, um, he says, it says, While Moses went up to God, Exodus 19.3, The Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. This is about relationship. Okay, God is choosing for himself a people to have relationship with. And, and he says, he says um, you shall, in verse 6, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A kingdom of priests, people who, who intercede for the behalf of others. Between God and man, this is a people, a whole nation of people who would know God. And this is what would set Israel apart from the rest of the nations of the earth. They would know God. And this is still what sets us apart from the peoples of the earth. What sets a Christian apart is that we know God. Jesus said in John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. 1 Thessalonians 4 um, says this. It says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, 
that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. And so there's this distinction in the Scriptures. There are those who are the people of God and those who are not. And those who are the people of God know Him. And so we're going to look at this, these Ten Commandments in this context. This is what God is doing. He's introducing Himself to His people. He is saying, hey, I am... He, he starts out uh, in chapter 20, what we read, and he says in verse 2, I am the Lord your God. I am Yahweh. When you ever see that all caps Lord in your Bible, it's the word Yahweh. I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It's almost like he's saying, nice to meet you. He's introducing himself. Um, and in fact, in Exodus 19 and verse 17, it says, then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. This is an introduction. This is a meeting. This is God introducing himself to his people, disclosing to his people more about himself, his heart, his ways. And so when we look at these Ten Commandments, this is what we can see. We can see who God is, more of his nature, more of how he perceives the world, more of who he is. And so, let me ask you this morning, do you want to live a life that pleases God? Then you need to know God. Do you want to know how to know God's will for your life? Well, then you need to know God. Do you want to grow in sanctification? Well, then you need to know God. Do you want to have joy? Then you need to know the God who created you. Do you want to see through the fog of the world around you? Well, then you need to know God. And God is immutable. That means He does not change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so the same God that gave us the Ten Commandments is the same God that we worship today. And so as we look at these Ten Commandments today, as we do this flyover, as we pull some, some truths out to know about our God, we can be confident that He is the same today as He was the day that He gave these Ten Commandments to His people. So pray with me, and we'll just jump right in. Father, thank You for Your Word that we don't have to wonder what you're like, God, and we don't have to create some God out of our own minds to suit us. We, we can know you, the one true God. This is eternal life, Father, that we know you and Jesus Christ whom you sent. And so thank you for your word this morning. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you speak to each individual in this room. Feed our souls, Lord. Give us manna from heaven to sustain us, to satisfy us. Lord, let us see you. Holy Spirit, come and move through this room. Move through every heart. Soften hardened hearts. Give faith where there is unbelief. Break off chains of sin and addiction. God, 
correct wrong thinking. Do your work for the sake of your great name and for the good of your people. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so let's look at the first commandment. The first commandment says, verse 3, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall have no other gods before me. The first thing that we can learn about God from the Ten Commandments is that He is after our exclusive worship. God is after our exclusive worship. The most literal translation of this first commandment is, You shall have no other gods before my face. In other words, He is always watching, He always sees, and if you're going to be among His people, then this is what He expects. He expects to be your only God. It means that God expects first place in your heart and life. Not your career, not your friends, not your family, not your children. Not your plans, not your success. God Himself expects to be first in your heart and life. And the rest of the Ten Commandments will flow out of obedience to this first commandment. Romans 1 um, gives us this sort of outline of how the world got to be in the broken place that it is. And it basically, in summary, it says that we have exchanged, in Romans 1.23, says that we have exchanged the glory of God for created things, for things that this glorious God made. Images, people, animals, stuff, material things. And so, the way that Romans 1 lays it out, saying that all of the brokenness that we see in the world could be traced back to this broken commandment that we do have other gods before Him. And that leads us to break all of the other commandments. And if that's true for our world, then it's true for us as individuals. And that means that any brokenness that you find in your own individual life or that I find in my own individual life can, can be traced back to this, that I am putting other things in the place that only God deserves. Our hearts are idol factories, like John Calvin said. We constantly create things to worship, stuff to worship, and we're only going to be satisfied when we worship God exclusively. God is after the worship of His people. If you ever wonder what this life is all about, what your life is all about, why you exist, let me just clear it up for you. You exist to worship the God who made you. He's after the exclusive worship of His people. When we get glimpses into heaven in the book of Revelation, and we see what fully redeemed no longer sinful humanity is doing. What are they doing? 
They are worshiping around the throne. This is what we were made for. And if we're not worshiping God, then we will be perpetually dissatisfied. We will be perpetually looking for something to fill the void in our lives. We were made to worship God and God alone. He is after our exclusive worship. Commandment number two. Let's look at the second commandment. Exodus 20, verses 4 through 6. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now, here's what I want to pull from this. Our God um, is a particular God. (laughs) He has specific ways that He expects things to be done. And this is a commandment that we might look at it at first and think we don't break this commandment. We don't make, most of us don't have carved uh, images in our homes that we're bowing down to, right? But what this is getting at is that God is after worship His way. God is after worship His way. And later on in this story in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 32, um, the people of Israel are get tired of waiting on Moses to come back down from the mountain. And so they're like, we don't know what happened to him. <clears throat> Let's just create for ourselves uh, a calf. And so they create this golden calf, and Aaron, Moses' brother, leads the charge in this. He kind of heads this thing up, and they, and they make this golden calf. Well, they weren't actually trying to break the first commandment and come up with a whole new God. After this happens, it says in Exodus 32, 5, it says, When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, before the calf, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord, all caps, to Yahweh. So what were they doing? They were doing worship their own way. They were trying to worship the same God, Yahweh, But, because this is the way that the nations around them do it, you know, it might sound really crazy and strange for us to hear it from our perspective today, but this wasn't crazy or strange for them at all. They were just simply stepping into the way that the nations around them did worship. They're coming up with this statue that represented Yahweh, and this was a breaking of the second commandment. It's akin to Christians trying to take on the rituals and customs of the world and maybe slapping Christian bumper sticker on it. It's like, it's, it's, it'd be no different, and I've heard this before, from saying participating in the occult practice of yoga, but saying, you know what, I do yoga, but I pray to God while I do it. Guys, that is participating in an occult practice and sticking a Christian bumper sticker on it. This is a breaking of the second commandment. 
We do not mix our Christian God with the occult or with the ways of the world or the practices of the world. That is breaking the second commandment. It's also the way that many churches, they, they, their worship, their, their way of doing things, their way of worship looks more like the things of the world than, than the New Testament. Right? We've embraced oftentimes a vision for worship and mission that is more shaped by our culture than by our Bibles. And God has made it very clear, very plain what He expects. And it's not up to us to do it our way. This past week, I had a conversation with an individual that is want, they're, they're looking for something different, the new king, because they want, they want a church that fits their view of what should be done. And, 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 and I... I just, in my heart, just kept breaking in this conversation because I'm thinking, it doesn't matter what we want. At the end of the day, what matters is what the Word of God says. And so, if, if it's what the Word says, that's what we're going to do, even if it's really unpopular. God's made it very clear and very plain how He is to be worshipped. And we must go to Him to find that out. And we must follow His decrees and not create a God to suit ourselves. He says why this is such a big deal in verse 5. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. We're talking about the Ten Commandments with my kids, and one of my daughters said, Jealous? Jealous. They can't be jealous. That's, that's not a good thing. And I said, and I explained it like this. I said, imagine some guy started showing up at our house and hanging out and, and trying to uh, build a relationship with your mom. And, um, and, and started saying, hey, you know, I, I know you've been married for a little while now. It's probably kind of getting old. And maybe you should consider Spend a little more time with me. And I said, I said, now, in that scenario, would it be right for your daddy to feel jealousy? In that scenario, would it be right for your daddy to rise up and say, I don't think so. Get out of my house. She is my wife. Yes, that is when Jealousy is a good and godly thing. I am protecting a covenant relationship here. And so when God feels jealousy for the, the, the affections and the worship of His people, it is right and good. And He is a jealous God looking to be worshipped by His people. He is not merely looking for worship of any old kind, but worship that is done His way, and that means according to His Word. He's looking for worship that is pure and unmixed with the world. How am I doing on time? Okay. Commandment number three. 
Commandment number three, look at verse seven. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, here in this third commandment, I just want to look at a a couple of things. Number one, God cares about our words. And number two, he cares about his honor. While we might think very little of the words that we carelessly say, God cares very much about the words that we speak. Um, Jesus taught that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so we might tell ourselves that we think high thoughts and lofty thoughts about God, but if our mouths betray that, then our mouths are actually saying what we really believe. We might say that we're not afraid, but if our mouths are constantly spewing fear-filled statements, then our mouths are revealing what our hearts really believe. We might not think that we have bitterness in our hearts, but if our mouths are speaking bitter words, we have bitterness in our hearts. That's the clear teachings of Jesus. And so, with this commandment, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. This is about not speaking low and debased thoughts about God, words about God. It's about having words coming out of our hearts that honor and exalt God. I think about if you read the the epistles, the letters of Paul, um, you'll often find that in the middle of a thought, he will just sort of go off onto a little bit of worship about the Father, about Jesus. An example is in Galatians 1, 4, and 5, where he says, he says, and he's kind of in the middle of a sentence, according to the will of our God and Father, and then he says, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's almost like as long as I'm mentioning him, hang on just a second. He deserves all the glory and all the honor. Amen? Amen. That is a heart that is spilling over with honor for God. You see, when your heart is spilling over, your mouth will speak it. When your heart is spilling over... Your mouth will speak it. And so Paul's pen overflows with worship because his heart is filled with worship. And then he lets us know that this is a big deal. He warns us that he will not hold those guiltless who speak his name in vain, who speak his name irreverently. And so let me ask you this. What is your speech revealing about your heart? Is there reverence, honor, awe, praise, worship? Are those the things that are coming out of your mouth? Because whatever is coming out of your mouth or out of your texts or your emails or your posts is revealing what is in your heart. If God is so committed to protecting his own honor, then we ought to be 
as well. Commandment number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, your livestock or your sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now, this is one, this is probably the most um, potentially confusing of the commandments because there are some who believe that we ought to still strictly observe a Sabbath. There are some who believe um, that the Sabbath was fulfilled in Christ and that the Sabbath rest was a picture of Christ's coming. And that's where I tend to land. I kind of tend to land actually right dead in the middle where I would say I think there's some, uh, there's some principles here about rest that, that we were created for and that we need, and the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. And so we actually need rest one, one day a week, and, and I think that it honors God still to practice that. But I also believe that Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath in His coming. That's not really what I want to point out this morning, though. What I want to point out this morning is that um, the precedent for this command to keep the Sabbath is found in the very first chapter of the Bible in the creation account. The precedent for this command, look at the way that it says it in, verses, uh, in verse 11. For, for, this is the reason for this command, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The creation account gives us the foundation for so many of the bedrock truths that Christianity is built upon. The fact that humans are created in the image of God and therefore have intrinsic value is found in the creation account. That humans are made male and female is found in the creation account. The foundations that marriage is between one man and one woman is found in the creation account. And isn't it interesting that all of these foundational truths that are found in the creation account are under attack today? Isn't it interesting? But when we see that one of the very Ten Commandments is rooted in the creation account. It gives us confidence that the creation account is trustworthy, reliable, and true. There are real explanations for the reality that we see around us that go all the way back to this creation account. Beware of teachings that undermine or make you question the creation account. If the creation account can be trusted as the foundations for the Sabbath command, then the creation account can be trusted as foundation for 
the intrinsic value of humanity, male and female, marriage between man and a woman. There's one other thing that I want to point out from this command um, that, that this command, commandment tells us about God. God wants His people to be set apart from the rest of the world. This commandment to observe a Sabbath made God's people very strange and stick out like a sore thumb in society. And He actually wants it that way. This is one thing that we see throughout Scripture. God is okay with us being weird to the world. God is okay with that. He absolutely does not mind that in the least. It's we who mind that. It's we who get, get upset when we stand out and when people look at us funny. But God actually delights in it when His people look strange to the world. Amen. Commandment number five, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. I'm going to have to move through these a little bit fast. Okay, here we learn something very important about God. God loves the family. God loves the nuclear family. The family was God's idea, and Satan hates the family. God loves homes. He loves homes with moms and dads, and He loves children who honor those moms and those dads. Pay attention to the messaging of the world. Be privy to it. The world wants to undermine and break down the family, but God loves the family. The family was God's idea. The family is the building block for society. And as goes the family, so goes society. That means that if you raise self-centered, rebellious, bratty kids, you'll end up with a self-centered, rebellious, bratty culture. If you don't teach children to honor their parents, they won't honor any authority. So... If we teach our children that they can throw a, a tantrum anytime they don't get what they want, then when they grow up to be adults, they'll do the exact same thing anytime whatever authority is above them doesn't give them what they want. If we don't teach children how to honor father and mother, how will they honor any authority? This is the building block of all of society. This is the first commandment with a promise that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. God is saying you want to bless society? Well, then begin with the family. Honor your father and mother. Some of you might want to know what you can do to help fix the brokenness of this world. Well, I say this with all seriousness, start a godly family. Have kids, lots of them, <laughs> lots of kids, and raise them to honor the God-given authority of their father and mother. And you know what? You do that, you will change the world. 
You want to know how to change the world? Start a godly family. I'm telling you, there are few things that will destroy the kingdom of darkness faster than to raise godly families, to have godly children. Be fruitful. Multiply. Christian, fill the earth. (laughs) Us too. Us too. All right. Commandment number six. This is a short one. Verse 13. You shall not murder. Now here we see that God values life. God values life. And God values life from conception to the grave. He values all of life and He values the lives of all ethnicities, of all peoples, of all nations, of all tribes, of all tongues. God values life. And that means He protects life and and expects His people to protect the lives of individuals from conception to the grave. That means He values those with mental illnesses. I mean, there are laws that are coming out now that are encouraging people who are of a certain um, frame of mind to take their own lives. God values life, and we should too. Commandment number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Here we see that God loves covenant fidelity. You see, God would never be unfaithful to His covenant with His people, and He wants the same for His people in the covenants that we make. We see that God loves and values marriage. In Hebrews 13, we're told, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. The precedent for that commandment is found right here in commandment number seven. You shall not commit adultery. God holds marriage in honor, and so should we. It means marriages are worth fighting for. It means they're worth sacrificing for. It means maybe giving up a career in order to pursue marriage is a worthy thing. God honors and loves marriage. Just as He honors and loves the family, and marriage is the foundation for the family. The world will tell you that only a fool would make the sacrifices necessary to be one flesh with another person. But God says marriage is honorable. Commandment number eight, you shall not steal. Now, here we see that personal property was God's idea. Um, That contrary to the proponents of traditional Marxism, that, that Personal property was actually God's idea, and that He wants a people who respect one another's property. He is very much opposed to the disrespecting of the personal property of others. Commandment number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. We've already seen that words matter to God, 
Here we see that it's not just our words that we speak about Him, but all of our words matter to God. God wants His people to be truth-speaking people. The Christian community is a truth-speaking community. Ephesians 4.15 says, Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ. So the way that God has ordained for you and I to grow up into maturity, into Christ, is in the context of a truth-speaking community. Speaking the truth to one another in love. God cares about the words that you speak, that they be truthful at all times. Finally, commandment number 10. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Finally, I want to just point this, this out. We learn that God loves when his people are satisfied with what he has chosen to give them. God loves contentment. The opposite of contentment is covetousness, and covetousness is a form of idolatry. It says in Colossians 3.5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry because to want what God isn't giving you is to want a God other than the real one. Discontentment that grows out of covetousness is discontentment with what God has seen fit to give to you, and whatever He has given to you is enough. And He, and he means for you to enjoy what He has given you. It says that He has given us all things to richly enjoy. Paul said in Philippians 4, 11-13, I have learned in whatever situation I am in to be content I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is how Paul could sing hymns in prison and how he could be happy whatever situation he was in. He had learned that Christ would give him the strength to be content with whatever situation he was in, with whatever he had or didn't have. And God will do the same for you, Christian. He will give you the strength by Christ's life in you to be content with whatever he has chosen to give you in whatever circumstances he has placed you. So, to review, we've seen that God is looking for our exclusive worship that He wants worship that is pure and unmixed with the ways of the world, that He cares about how we speak about Him, that we honor Him with our words, that He established foundational truths in the very first pages of Scripture, and we can trust the creation account. That He likes for His people to stand out among the nations around us, that He loves the nuclear family, that it was His idea and it was a very good idea, that He values and protects all life from conception to the grave, that he values covenant fidelity and views marriage as an honorable thing, that God is pro-personal property and anti-stealing, that God cares that all the words that we speak be truthful at all times, and that God loves it when we are content with what he has given us. Do you know this God? Do you know him? 
If you don't know him, I want to invite you this morning to begin a relationship with him. Did you know that this God has made a way for you to begin a relationship with him? Do you have a relationship with him for all of eternity? This is why Jesus Christ came. This is what he came to do. Jesus came and he fulfilled these Ten Commandments perfectly because we never do. We never can. And so he fulfilled these Ten Commandments perfectly to a T and every other commandment as well. Fulfilled the whole law of God and then went to the cross to die in our place to take the penalty for all of the ways that we have broken these commandments. Jesus absorbed all of the wrath of God, all of the penalty for all of our commandment breaking on the cross. And then he was buried, and on the third day, he rose from the grave to declare to all who would listen, to all who would believe in him, that if we put our trust in him, if we turn from our sins and turn to him and put our faith and trust in him, that he will forgive us of our sins, cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that we will be credited with obeying all the commandments of God from now until eternity. If you don't know this God, you can know him today. Turn away from your sins. Turn to him in faith. Put your trust in him. Believe, and you will be forgiven and receive eternal life. And for those of you who have done that, I just want to finish by just exhorting you, press in to know this God more and more. Maybe these last couple of weeks have left you feeling dry like they left me. Let me just encourage you, go to the Word. We have everything we need given to us for life and godliness. And if we will just go to the Word and look to Him, we will be transformed. Our lives will be changed and our souls will be satisfied. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for revealing yourself to us. Thank you again for these Ten Commandments and what these tell us about your character, your nature, your ways, and that we don't have to wonder what you're like. Thank you that you sent your Son and that through Him we see you um, manifest perfectly. We can see your character in perfect fullness in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came and that you took the penalty for all of our sins and that you fulfilled the law perfectly so that, so that we who put our trust in you could have a relationship with God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise and honor and glory. Amen.